Welcome to the STEM Sync Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal McLean, amplifying unique life stories to encourage and motivate people of color with an interest in science, technology, engineering, and math. As a black female engineer, I found that a key resource that kept me encouraged along my education and career pursuits is something we often overlook and that is people. My hope is to leave listeners feeling empowered while gaining insight on endless opportunities along the STEM education and career pathway. Thanks for joining me today for a candid conversation as guests share their journeys and resources to help you reach beyond your untapped potential, connecting you to purpose. Now let's sing. everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the STEM Sing Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I have the pleasure of having someone on here who is crazy enough. I feel like our lives might be parallel in a lot of ways. And that's what happens when you discover um, having conversations with other guests. And, uh, you know, Nicole was on here and she said, hey, you need to have Medina on here. And I said, okay, well, give me the connection. And that's what we have today is the connection. So prototypes, please allow me to introduce to you Miss Medina Al-Harazim. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Look, I'm going to get these names together. So yes. Medina, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. But thank you so much, Crystal. I really appreciate this opportunity. So as far as telling a little bit about myself, you mean like 30 seconds or quick or good? You can go wherever you want to because this is your episode. Okay. And feel free to throw in some questions. Of course. Okay. So thanks for the introduction. I am 40 years old, African-American woman. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas and in Maryland. My parents came to the United States from Freetown, Sierra Leone about over 50 years ago. They came to the States to pursue further education. And so they bounced around um, and from like Bowie State to Lincoln, Prairie View and in Missouri. My parents, I would say, were living a very adventurous life. So my mom was studying journalism and my dad was studying soil I think it was called agronomy mm. that he, he was studying yeah. at the time and then once they graduated and obtained their master's degree you know how it is with African West uh-huh. African background you have to go further you can't just stop <laughs> so uh-huh. they attained their degrees and then they left Texas and they moved into Maryland which is where I say probably from the age of nine, I was raised. And I I was raised in Charles County, Maryland. Yeah, so I went to middle school and high school in Charles County. And I would say that's where I got my love for the environment. And especially like I was telling you earlier that um, my dad always had these really nice extravagant summer trips and we'd go to the mountains or we'd go to the caves or we'd go to an island that no one has heard of. And my mom would always be sitting in the car upset, thinking like, why can't we just go somewhere nice where I can just wear my nice galet and my nice lace outfit that I had sewn? So we joke about that a lot because they're the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I think I took more of my dad's side growing up. 
and in high school, I decided to join the Envirothon team. And um, a lot of people really didn't hear much about that. I think it was one of those small clubs that a teacher found, um, but I grew up to learn later on that it was something pretty big. Um, but it was a small club at the time. And I think I was probably, yeah, I was the only African-American. Uh, I would say I was the only African-American in that club. At the time, I would say it was probably like 10 guys and maybe two girls. And we would go to these different adventure parks. I would say adventure parks, but more like I would say county parks. Mm -hmm. And they would have little activities there and we would compete, like naming different trees, uh, different types of flowers and determining what type of bacteria this is. All those fun, geeky things, as I used to say, because um, I didn't really realize at that age that it was something that was really, really big. Yeah. And so we did a lot of projects with the Chesapeake Bay and my father always encouraged me to do it. And so when I was getting into, I think my senior year of high school, my teacher said, you know, you have a pretty unique background on what you're interested in. Have you ever tried uh, going to college and studying environmental sciences? Mm -hmm. And I said, I didn't know that existed. Mm -hmm. And she goes, yeah. And she said, and once you get in there, there's something called environmental engineering but it's pretty new not many people are doing it she said but go go into college and she says try looking for like an environmental science background so quick question is this teacher mm -hmm. did she look like you no <laughs> she, i didn't have any teachers that looked like me mm -hmm. um i had i would say one teacher that did look like me mm -hmm. and um we just we were like this. We never yeah. got along. She was never, ever in my corner. And I think probably that's one of the reasons why I pushed away from liberal arts. Um, I would say my freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. I, I really didn't have much support uh, with teachers that did look like me. I was always told, oh, you're not good at writing or you're not good at this. So, you know, I started to move towards things that I felt comfortable with, which was science and math, even though that may seem a little bit odd because it I was always told growing up that that wasn't really the field for us from what I would hear. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff that you hear now on TV, but let me just put it this way, back then on TV and in studies, that would be considered to be canceled nowadays. Right. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. you can't say this is not your area or this is this. Um, but that's what I would see a lot of, you know, there weren't really programs, I would say, geared to us. And when I would watch it's academic as a child. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you, you're lucky if you get selected. Oh, if your funny. school gets selected, you know, we'd be sitting around with all the kids and the kids, if it's a school that's predominantly, uh, I would say, African-American, we have other kids laughing around, well, you know, they're going to lose. And I'm like, that's why so are they going to lose? <laughs> why so would they true. lose? I yeah, but that really does speak to the influence of teachers mm -hmm. and educators yeah. in such, yeah. you know, formidable years. And yeah. I, I have so many good friends who are educators and I always tell them like, y'all are doing the Lord's work because yeah. what you say at this age and this stage really mm -hmm. does make all the difference. It makes a huge difference. And so for you, you had a teacher that actually saw your 
intelligence and brilliance in environmental and encourage you not only in environmental science but environmental engineering which is pretty impressive yeah i never even heard of it uh, i didn't even know it existed so how did you and go towards finding your college and university that decided you know what program because you didn't go to maryland okay i'm a maryland grad <laughs> I you did not say in state. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't stay in state because it really when the idea of college was brought up to me, I kind of got a little bit discouraged growing up because mm. in this household, in a West African household, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, <laughs> uh, you can be an engineer, yes, but you yes. got to do something that makes money. You're not going to school to dance. You're not going to school to find out who you are. You're not going to school to write books. You know, you say, oh, I'm going to go study, let's just say psychology. It's like, what? You're going to waste money and go study? So <laughs> I had made a decision. I was going to the Navy because I always was interested in just, I actually, I always wanted to, believe it or not, I like planes. I like pilots. I like just the whole idea of the ships. And I said, I would love to be in the Navy and wear a uniform. So I took the ASVAB, I studied, I had a great score. I was so ready. And when the recruiter came to the house, <laughs> my mom was like, not in this house, not my daughter. The military is not for women. And that's what she told the recruiter. Wow. And the recruiter was, I think it is. There's quite a number of women going into the military. Said so My mom said, nope. She's not going to be working on nothing. She's not going to be in a submarine where mm -hmm. somebody will tie her up at night and, and all of those fears. And so after a while, I got an application because my parents at this point said, you know, we're not going to entertain that and you're going to do something. You're not going to stay here. You're going to do something. And it's like the next day, this application came from Temple University. And this was already past early admission. I mean, everybody knew where they were going to school. Mm -hmm. I was graduating, I would say in like three weeks from high school. What? Yeah, it was really that bad. <laughs> and so it was free. It was a fee waive. I said, let me apply. And Virginia Tech had accepted me at that point mm -hmm. and University of Maryland. But the problem was my sister was at Virginia Tech and she was the big engineer and brainiac and mm -hmm. <laughs> you know all those AP courses in high school. So she was smart and it's high score on the SCT and I'm sitting here like, well, I can't go into the military. I don't want to be in Maryland because I might have to stay home. Mm. So let's go to Philadelphia. And so I went to Philadelphia and I started off in the, uh, it was, I think it was called biological science schools at the time. And they had environmental science there. And so that's where the pat happened. I signed up to do environmental science. And I said, you know, let me look into this. And um, one day I was walking down a hallway and I met this man. He was a teacher at the time. And um, I, I don't think he teaches anymore, but one of the professors and Dr. Dr. David is what I'm gonna call him. Mm -hmm. He was from, he is from Sierra Leone. And he says, you're here in this school? I said, yeah, I'm here. He goes, what are you studying? I said, environmental science. He goes, are you good at math? I said, I am. He goes, why don't you come to the engineering, College of Engineering? He says, 
they're offering some scholarships for African-Americans. And I said, what? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, you'll find out that there's a pretty good avenue. There's a lot of African students. Mm. And I said, a lot of African students? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay. So I switched my paperwork and everything, and I ended up in the College of Engineering. And at that time, they only offered environmental engineering and technology. It was the first year it was ever being offered at that time. So, of course, you know, this is late 90s, yeah, <laughs> late yeah. 99. So um, that's how I ended up in environmental engineering. I, again, see a common thread with okay. someone seeing your potential mm-hmm. just in your life. There's a common thread in your life and yeah. basically saying, hey, why not do X, Y, and Z and encouraging you towards that. I think that's absolutely fascinating that... Mm-hmm. That seems to be an interesting re- recurrence in your life of just yeah. somebody just saying wow. something and just, you know, it's like the power of just having an opportunity. And that's really yes. what it is, the power of opportunity. And I'm, mm-hmm. even going back to your military interest, which that whole story <laughs> made complete sense about how your parents are like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> not our child. <laughs> Another similarity with you is I am fascinated by planes fascinated and what I think about my dad and how we would go out to Dulles Airport and in the area all by the waterfront and things like that and just watch the planes you know just fly over and I was just thinking this weekend maybe I should have been an aerospace engineer (laughs) yes right right like I should have been an aerospace engineer I'm fascinated (laughs) by these yeah and even like you said with the Navy like working for the Navy you get so close up to these vessels and you're just like, this is, this is amazing how it engineering amazing. works, right? It, it is amazing. And just, it, I mean, it's, I'm fascinated. I still am amazed that human mankind that we could build right. all these wonderful locks and mm-hmm. Suez Canal and all kinds of things, watching it on History Channel and mm-hmm. seeing just military at itself and the right. knowledge and exactly. then you hear that some women are part of it. And right. you're like, really? So let's talk about that. You <laughs> went in from environmental science to a new program. Yeah. And what was that like? Were you one of many? Were you, you know, what was it looking like as far as the program is concerned? <laughs> wow. You know, it's now this is where it's interesting to me because when I was in the School of Biological Sciences, all of the classes were in stadium, in a big uh, auditorium setting yeah. to see. And I think we're probably like a hundred and some. Most of them were there for med school or whatever else. When I went to the College of Engineering, it was now a classroom. Mm-hmm. And I was probably like 15 in my first class. And I believe it was a civil engineering. So when I went into the uh, College of Engineering, I think it was a civil engineering class. It was a waste it was wastewater and water resources engineering class. Mm-hmm. And it was probably about 15 students. And I was the only girl, I would say woman, lady. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she would like for this because sometimes I get offended when somebody calls me a girl. No worries, say what you- I'm a grown woman, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was the only lady there in the class. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was surprising to me because immediately, 
I felt enclosed. Mm. And every corner I looked, what was actually nice, it was multicultural. When I looked to my right, there was Southeast Asian. When I looked to my left, it was um, Central America. When I looked behind me, it was African. Uh, so, you know, but I was the only woman and I was the only African-American woman. Mm-hmm. So the professor came to me and they, he was a tall, nice, um, white Caucasian male. And he says, I'm going to give you this book. This is the book for the class. And he says, it's cost, I think at the time, like $150. And he says, did you purchase the book already? I said, no, I have not. He goes, I'm going to give you the book because I want you to stay here. Mm. And that was my first experience. And I was shocked. He goes, I want you to stay in this class. I don't want you to drop out. So I knew then that I had to stay. And that professor, his name is Dr. Miller. Mm. And I sit back every day and I say, wow, just that one particular moment, just generosity completely changed my life, I just felt welcomed. Mm-hmm. And I hear that is not always the case for, you know, in our situation. Awesome. So that was my experience. That's what it looked like. Okay. So was that the experience that you had throughout your remaining courses and finishing yeah. up your degree program? It is, it, it did very much so. But fortunately I was, um, I joined a program called Nesby. National Society Black Engineers. And um, joining that program, I started to feel a little bit of camaraderie and mm-hmm. understanding a little bit more of the plight of African-Americans in the College of Engineering and what it's like. It is, it's not very easy, but it was more like a shoulder. We were all kind, and it was nice because we were mixed with first generation mm-hmm. Africans. There was also Africans that had just came over through scholarship, African-Americans. Um, I know growing up, there was a bit of an issue I had growing up with uh, just African-Americans and, and also Africans. I've always been in the middle as yeah. some of my cousins would say. Some of my cousins say, oh, you're, you're African-American. You're not African. Not you weren't born and raised in Africa. And then african-americans would say who are you you're african where are you so i went the whole identity crisis yeah yeah and then i went through school in high school and there was a few people like that looked like me and those people were like you seem different Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't seem right it seems like you want to be something else and i'm just like that's i can only be myself yeah you know, you have your parents, and well, don't listen to them if it's not true. <laughs> there was none of that support system and all of this mental help. So you always, I felt myself always as an outsider. Mm-hmm. And I, and it was different when I went to college. I actually didn't feel like an outsider anymore, which was a very unique experience. Um, my sister, for she went to Virginia Tech, and she told me, look, uh, I was an outsider there, wow. you know, with very much throughout her experience. And so I really thank Temple University for a lot of the little programs that they put in place. And they had a lot of teachers that would come and check up on specifically us. This is so enriching. Yep. That's not, yep. the, that wasn't my experience at Maryland. And interesting, <laughs> I wanted to apply to Virginia. That's where I really wanted to go was to go to Virginia Tech. 
Okay. And so that's really encouraging that Temple had that mm-hmm. even back in the early 90s where, I mean, mm-hmm. well, not early, late 90s mm-hmm. into 2000 where early, we were starting to kind of transition into the computer age and things like that. And you just had a network of support, not only from your fellow students, but also the teachers. That is And the deans. What? And the deans, yeah. And none of them, none of them looked like us, just so you know. They supported, they made sure we had an office and we were the only organization that was allowed to sell like drinks and chips and coffee. Um, they made sure that another, no other organization was able to sell those things within the building because they knew we were doing it for fundraising purposes in order yeah. to attend these conferences that we would have every year. Yeah. And that was very supportive of them. There was so much stuff they did for us. They didn't have to. So, yeah, so it told us, at least me at a very young age, that life is not always easy in this area that you're choosing to be in. Even though sometimes we are discouraged, there are a few groups of people that I guess they've had experience in life and they've seen the plight and they're willing to help out. Mm -hmm. I hate to say help out. Well, uh, willing to guide one along the way. And I yeah. think that's the importance of it is seeing people who are willing to reach back and actually mm-hmm. see that. Yep. So you go through your program, you obtain this degree mm-hmm. in environmental engineering, and yep. then do you immediately go into working or do you take some time off? So I wanted to take some time off. You got it right. <laughs> I wanted to take some time off. I wanted to see the world and I thought I was going to be able to do that coming back home but it was different from my mother Mm -hmm. she was like oh no if you come back home you need to have a job she says and a good one (laughs) she says because so-and-so's child is already working so-and-so's child over there they just graduated and they're going now to law school and -and so-and-so it was always of course that stuff so I'm like typical okay Okay, so I came home and I had done all of those little job fairs back in college, passing my resume, <clears throat> didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had ended up towards my last year finding this woman. Uh, she was at the university, Temple University. She was probably in her late 50s at the time. Mm-hmm. And she had just finished suing Amtrak, I'm not going to say her name, but she had a class action lawsuit for racism and discrimination against Amtrak. And she said, you know what? I have a very good friend at Amtrak and I think you would fit in well in the company. And I said, (laughs) what? She goes, I said, I thought you had a big lawsuit. She goes, I did. She says, and that lawsuit opened the way for a lot of African-American women to hold leadership positions. And I said, oh, really? And she says, yeah, I think this lady, she she has a chemical engineering background and she's a supervisor and her best friend, roommate from Howard University as well, has a supervisor position there. She says, as a matter of fact, because of my lawsuit and everything that went down, uh, Amtrak had to create leadership positions for mm. a number of african-american women and so she said i think you should reach out to her and so i reached out to the lady 
and I applied for a job. It was a, uh, a senior, they had something else they call it, but we changed it over time to Southern Environmental Coordinator. Mm-hmm. And it's more like a program manager, okay. but it's more like multimedia program manager. And you have a number of facilities under the railroad system that you manage. And she said, reach out to her. I think she would really be interested in working with someone young, especially coming out of the environmental field. So I reached out to her and she said, well, apply for this job. And if you, I guess, as we would say now, make the cert in the federal government, mm-hmm. if, you, if you apply and you're selected, we will have a panel interview. And, and that was it. So I applied and I got called in maybe a month while I was at home to come do an interview. And I did the interview and it was like a panel of five people. And um, they were asking me all these environmental regulations. And it was great. I was like, oh yeah. They were like, well, what is hazardous waste and what does it mean to you? And I just started going over everything. So you were prepared. Yeah, I was prepared. And that's when I realized, okay, maybe this is my interest because why do I know this stuff like stormwater and drinking yeah. water yeah. and plans as far as doing stormwater pollution plans and spill responses, all kinds of things. And yeah. I said, well, maybe I have an interest because I used to read up on a lot of things like from EPA and, and watching natural disasters uh-huh. and watching some things on Vice about environmental injustice, environment, all kinds of those things. And I did have a lot of interest, especially in the area of environmental injustice. And so it, it worked out. They were very impressed. And I started and I was the youngest employee there. Wow. <laughs> I was by far the youngest employee. And I did little things like plans and a lot of stormwater pollution prevention and a lot of things when they have constructions with railroad ties and Mm -hmm. and cycling, all kinds of things. And it was nice. I did it for about three to four years. Were you um, fully embraced when you were on board? Was that transition hard for you? Do you feel like it was a smooth transition or, you know, because you went through school. I imagine you just studied, you know, summertime, came home, just, you know, relaxed and things like that. And then all of a sudden you jump right into doing career. Yeah. Was that a hard transition? How was that? Career-wise, it was um, not necessarily a hard transition. I would say I met many challenges as far as, it's something that I suffered, I would say age discrimination um, when I first came in. And uh, also too, I would just say, you know, a lot of doubt you know, people would ask me, the first thing that people always ask me, and now you, like I said, you can't do this now. Mm-hmm. They would say, do you have a college degree? That was always the first question. And, <laughs> you know, I'm young. How do you respond to that? When you're fresh out of college, yeah. you, you think that the world is waiting you. They're telling you to get out there, find a job and Make sure the job pays you at the time. I don't know now, but at least fifty thousand or more. Exactly. You know, even if it's not paying you fifty thousand, the fact that you're at a company and you graduated from college, you made it. It was it was really tough because there were a lot of people that doubted me. So what did and, you lean on during that time? So 
So a lot of the times what I did lean on, I leaned on my sister a lot who was working in the the field. She was at DuPont Mm -hmm. and I would say she had more of a struggle than me. Was she a chemical Um, engineering major? She, I would say mechanical engineering. Eventually she went to biomedical engineering. Got it. Yeah. So I leaned on her a lot. And then my supervisor, she was African-American woman. She she was a very, she was going through, let me put it this way, her own struggles at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And, and at, at the time I was like 21, 22, she was in her late forties. And so a lot of things that I'm now as an adult going through and I see, I can totally understand why she couldn't be there for me mm-hmm. at that time. I totally get it now mm-hmm. and what I felt about years ago you know but there wasn't really much support a lot of it was just me reading books and I would sometimes read books where um the only woman in the office or um don't sit in the back of the conference room yeah Uh, have a seat at the table some things like that and that's what I used for my own encouragement because we didn't have like all these wonderful posts like Instagram (laughs) Facebook days exactly there wasn't any of that stuff. Sometimes I would even go back to like reading Mandela stuff. Mm. I would read all these things, some authors. And, and that was my, I would say, my ability to get up in the morning each day and face <laughs> these men. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say men, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. It was white men, older men yeah. that had so much doubt on who I was. And uh, I was hired and on the panel. There was only one African-American woman. Everybody else was, there were white males. So I obviously know I could do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's issues of personality, whether yeah. you're fit in this organization. And some people would ask me, do I think I'm the fit here? And I would say, uh, what's the question for? Because it's not whether I'm a fit. That's not your decision to make. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would tell people that. I said, that's not your decision to make. Now, if you don't want me here, there's a way we can discuss this, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. because really I had to put it in my head that they're at an advantage because they have me. Mm-hmm. I am not an advantage. I'm not at the advantage here. I'm working from them, but I know I am grossly underpaid compared to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's really because of my age mm-hmm. and because of what I look like when I walk in the front door every day. So did that cause you to say you know what it's time for me to leave so you said you did that for three to four years and yeah I was looking I I I was looking because at that time I started doing all these leadership kind of books running to borders at the time when it was available Uh and Barnes and Noble and I would read books and they say you know always be looking for a job these leadership books always have your resume up to date Mm -hmm. and (laughs) so I started doing that and I noticed when I applied for two jobs, I got callbacks right away. They were for private industry. And it wasn't something I wanted to do when the job was offered to me. Uh, I, I think it was just like being an EMS manager. And I said, you know, I'm more of a field kind of person and I don't want to be stuck in EMS. And those jobs were always available. And so I said to myself, I said, what do I want to do? I was riding the bus home one day. 
and I got off the bus. It was the Keller bus. And, and this guy comes to me and says, what do you do for a living? And I looked at him and I said, oh, I, I just work for Amtrak. He goes, well, what do you do at Amtrak? I said, I do environmental programs. And he goes, you're always so dressed, immaculately mm. dressed. I, I just, you know, it's, I was just curious. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, I'm right here at this building, Union Station. What well, Union Station? He goes, give me your resume. I work for the federal government, and I know that they're in need of a couple people in their environmental program. And I said, really? And he was the public affairs officer at the time, John Verico. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he also has a, a very active podcast about public speaking, self-confidence. Mm. I have to look him up. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know if you know Bob Williams. No. And, okay, so he was the head of, he was at the time the head of environmental compliance. And so he passed my resume to this guy, Bob Williams. And the next day, they called me. Hey there, prototypes. Isn't Medina's self-confidence and self-assurance impressive? In talking with Medina for over an hour, I realized that she truly has a wide variety of life experiences to share. And it is amazing to take note of both intentional and unintentional influences others have had on her STEM education and career. Next week, we continue with Medina's journey, finding out what happens when the hiring manager calls her about possible opportunities with the government. And you'll be clued in on ways Medina extends herself in service by giving back to those in need while connecting with her Sarah Leonian roots. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you feel equipped and encouraged to stay the course along your STEM journey. I encourage you to become part of the conversation to help cultivate a network of support. Feel free to submit questions and topics with an email to podcast at stemsync.net or messaging StemSync via your preferred social media platform. Be sure to share with your network and rate the podcast. Thanks for the link up and sync up prototypes. Until next time. <laughs>